0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the latest episode of Happiness and Humans. My name is Matt Phelan, and I am a co-founder of the Happiness Index. And for the first time ever, I can't remember if this is the first time ever, but I am with my co-founders of the Happiness Index on the Happiness and Humans podcast. I'm here with Chris Hyland and Tony Latta. Tony, as the original co-founder, we'll explain what that actually means in a bit. Please introduce yourself.
1: Yeah, lovely. Thanks, Matt. So my name is Tony Latter and uh, I'm one of the co-founders here at the Happiness Index. Kind of my day-to-day role is chief platform officer. So that means I work a lot with our growth team, our customer teams, our technical community as well to really understand what people want from our platform. And then it's about what do we build? Why do we build it? And then working with um, our tech team on when do we schedule it? And then how do we deliver it? So that's my day-to-day role. Thanks, Tony.
0: Um, over to Chris Highland.
2: Thank you, Matt. Matt, that was the ultimate test. I thought, which co-founder is he is he gonna go to first? Who who is his
1: favorite? <laughs> <laughs> and, you, and you're not chosen me. That's Chris, why I, that's, I,
0: what, I, that's why I caveated it, but I made sure I give a reason why I went to someone first. <laughs> yeah.
1: Chris, I think we all know the answer to that one. Yeah, we do now, Tony.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so um I'm Chris Hyland. Um, I'm also the third co-founder by the looks of things. Um, and my role is really focused on two aspects. Number one, the official job title is Chief Customer Officer, where really, it's all around um, building and great, creating a great team uh, to look after our customers and keep them happy. But I also feel passionate, understandably, about our culture. So I work really closely with our Head of happiness and engagement, and our head of people, on trying to
0: create an amazing environment for our quackers. So that's me. Cool. Um, and I think I should actually explain for once what I do rather than just podcast. <laughs> what so do you you do? I don't what? know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and Nish, um, uh, shout out to Mish, uh, who's our head of uh, happiness and engagement. She's actually um, making sure we sort our own job descriptions out at the moment, which is a useful thing for any found- founders out there. But essentially, there's sort of three areas that I look after, which is, um, so we don't, at the Happiness Index, we're a bit weird, we don't have teams, we have communities. So I look after our growth community, um, which is the sales and marketing team. I also look after our investment rounds, which you'll see all the time, one coming up in January, if anyone wants to invest in the Happiness Index. Um, and I also look after the global team, which is why I've gone more grey as the year's gone on. But I will explain. I'll explain what we're doing on global in a bit. Um, but a couple of questions to, uh, just to kick things off and I'll, and I'll, I'll switch it round So no one thinks that there's any favourites. So I'll go to you on this, Chris. Um, what makes what makes you happy, Chris?
2: Oh, I mean, I always struggle with this question, um, but but now I'm a lot clearer this year. So there's two main things that make me happy. Uh, number one uh is personal growth which is do i feel as a person that i'm being challenged and challenging myself every day um that's number one and number two is a uh, positive impact like it has to be in a way which i'm actually feel like um you know in our own little way i'm making the world a happy place and of course all the family and friends stuff but that's just a given
0: chris um I know you've signed a new uh, personal coach because we've always worked with Clive Highland. For those who haven't worked it out, is Chris's dad, so <laughs> it, is, it is a real family business. Um, you've signed your own personal coach this year. Can you just tell us a little bit about about why you've done that and and how that works?
2: Yeah, so um, we've actually just finished. So we've had, we've been working together for six months. Um, it's actually very. <laughs> It's very linked to our platform around happiness and engagement. I think that like many people when COVID hit last year, I personally kind of really struggle just being where I am today, <laughs> at home every day in the same four walls. I don't think it really matters what your house is like, what your flat's like. You can live in a 10 bedroom mansion. It doesn't matter, does it, I think. So the thing for me is I think that I felt, you know, it's, this is our business. You know, I love this business and I felt really engaged in a direction of the business, but I just lacked some elements around the happiness part, which is the energy, you know, the emotional part and the relationship. So I just worked with my coach. I think it's funny when people work with coaches. um, It's a bit like you have coaching and counselling. Yeah. I find sometimes that um, people usually presume that if you're going to bring some form of um, support on it's because you're in a bad place. But that wasn't the case with me. I, I was in a I was in a good place, but I wanted to get to a great place. And he's just, you know, it's just someone to listen to. Uh so sorry, him listen to me. Um, I I automatically chose somebody that didn't know anything about me. Um, and he just kind of take him on this journey where he's got me to think bigger picture. Um, and you know, we talk about it all the time. Like we are probably harder than ourselves than anyone else we always want more we always want more so i think it's just a good reflection um you know and that's why today's great it's just an opportunity to look back on the year and kind of like see what we and our quackers and our investors have all achieved so yeah it's been i would say this to anyone out there any form of counseling coaching is just amazing and i would never do it with someone close to you because you need that objective advice
0: and and that objective view so yeah it's been i've really enjoyed it Thanks, Chris, and Tony. What makes you happy?
1: Yeah. So for me, it's about adventure. So this last two years at the happiness index, with everything that's been going on with COVID and the the pandemic, it has been a massive challenge. And that's the bit that I really enjoy when I think about adventure. There are it's it's never easy. There's always something that comes along your path, but it's just another hurdle to clear. And that's something that I really thrive on. I love personal challenge. I want to be the best that I can be, not just um, from a working perspective, but also from a family point of view as well. I want to be the best dad I can, the best husband I can, uh, the best kind of uh, co-founder that I can. Obviously, I'm your favorite, Matt, because of the intro that you gave to Chris (laughs) earlier on. So I'm obviously ticking one box there somewhere. But I think having that adventure is really, really important because without kind of getting too kind of sentimental or a little bit corny that life is a, a journey it is an adventure we only get one opportunity and it's about taking them all of the opportunities that come your way and you mentioned at the beginning like the original co-founder so for those of the those people listening who don't know the history to the happiness index for the first kind of year it was me a phone a laptop and that was it and it was an idea that you had from four ps marketing both of you and it was then can we turn this into something and the business that we are today compared to what we started is phenomenally different and it is continually evolved and developed and that's what i mean by it's an adventure you go into something not knowing what the outcome is going to be you just know that it's going to be rewarding enriching exciting along the way and to do that you need the support of people around you Um, and it's not just going on that adventure, but it's who you do it with. And both in a personal perspective, I'm really lucky that I have an amazing wife. I have amazing children. They support me in everything that I do. And from a working perspective, without getting kind of overly sentimental,
0: and make us cry, don't make us cry. Yeah, yeah.
1: It's amazing doing this adventure with both of you, because we've known each other now for over 21 years, which is a huge amount of time, but it's amazing being able to share this experience with somebody so adventure makes me happy and it's and kind of sharing that with people close to me makes it even more special
0: tony on the uh, try to continue the coaching theme for a second you um we talked about chris getting coaching you've been coaching this year as in uh what is it under eight football is that right um can you just tell us what you're doing in that coaching and what you and what if anything you get out of being a coach because you've talked about it a lot this year and the enjoyment from it can you just talk us about that for a second
1: yeah absolutely and it's incredibly rewarding um so i coach my son's team um they're under nine so they're eight and nine they're from a various different schools in the area that i live in um and what i really enjoy about it is i enjoy seeing them being able to do something that they didn't feel was possible. And gradually they, you start seeing them develop and say, right, I can do that. We break it down. We do one element first, then we go into a different skill, then a different skill, then we bring it all together. And you just, you see them growing and developing and the confidence that they get from that is incredible. But the key thing that I try to, to do with the team is I try to get them to understand that it's not about them as individuals. It's about the role that they play as a unit together and children aren't always particularly uh, good at that everyone wants to have the ball everyone wants to shoot everyone wants to take every throw and etc but it's trying to see that the collective of a team is far more powerful than that of an individual and the bit that i really want to work with them on and it kind of comes into the kind of without kind of going too much into our mission of freedom to be human it's kind of equipping them for how can they deal with situations in their life that aren't just about football but what lessons can they learn from being around a team being individuals that they can then take into life lessons so we talk a lot about respect personal choice opportunities making sure that they feel that they have even though they're children they have the opportunity to express themselves and they have that kind of that psychological safety that they can go and do what they need to do and that the team are going to be there to support them so there's lots of parallels even though they're kind of like an under nine's team there's lots of parallels between that and actual teams in the workplace etc and in a weird way i've kind of been running my own little experiment of our neuroscience model (laughs) and using that on kind of the the children obviously we've got to change the way that we express ourselves etc because you're dealing with children and rather than adults but it's been really interesting that these concepts are universal.
0: Yeah. And um, the team have asked me to ask myself these questions. So, um, Chris, can you ask me what makes me happy, please? Yeah. No problem. So, so Matt, what makes you happy? Oh, great question, Chris. Okay. Um, well, I've answered that question loads before and it's freedom. Um, and that's, I think that for me links into being an entrepreneur and also why I enjoy working with you guys. Cause you let me just make mistakes and get on and do, do my thing. But, The thing that i've started saying recently which that which sounds funny when i say it which is um signed new contracts is what makes me happy (laughs) which if if my family would obviously my family number one and everything but the reason i've started saying that is because like we're really cutting edge with the neuroscience stuff we're like beyond cutting edge when you look at like the quantum physics and mechanics stuff we're using in the workforce which blows people's brains but If we weren't signing new contracts on a regular basis and December has been a brilliant month, everything that we were talking about would just be in theory and be nice. And for me, the best case study the Happiness Index can ever be is that by treating your people well, we can grow this really profitable uh, growing business. Whereas if we don't do that we we're, we're not proving our own model that if you look after your people they look after your customers and your business will naturally grow so my answer to that is is spanking brand new uh clients and so just so I also don't sound like um uh, new customers only renewals like we had a renewal of one of our customers yesterday that proves over time that 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 what we're doing is, is it validates what we do um so I'm going to flip it round
2: just yep. jump on that i think I think it's an element, I think the feeling is so good because it's that feeling of someone putting faith in us, isn't it? Yeah. Like it's obviously I'm the same and we're all the same, like yeah. not just from a sales perspective, but when someone signs on that dotted line, so to speak, either to work with us or to continue working with us, you feel that sense of responsibility. It's that, right. it's that, it's that kind of faith that we're going to work with you to get it right. So you know, you're right, it's the ultimate, ultimate kick.
1: Yeah, and it comes back to what you mentioned earlier, Chris, about positive impact. And that's why when we get these renewals coming through, that is the main motivator for all of us, isn't it? It's yeah. not the retained revenue. It's the fact that we we know that what we are doing is having an impact on people. We are firm believers in what we do, being a happiness and engagement platform. It's not one versus the other. It's a combination of the two. Yeah. Yeah and being able to see companies who come on that journey and will sign up with us to then see the impact that we have. And I was talking to um, one of our customer success managers um, earlier this week, and they just mentioned something that I thought was really, really interesting, where they talk about it's not just in the workplace that this has the impact, but people have families, they have friends people they live with and you see that ripple effect that goes all the way through that we spend so much time and our energy in our work if we can make that the best possible place for our employees to be that feeling goes home with them yeah it has an impact not just on them as an individual at work but it has a really positive impact on everybody around them
0: yeah so i'm going to channel jackie dial who's one of our amazing team um revolutionized our business in many ways um, merry christmas jackie if you're listening yeah. <laughs> um, jackie brought like, the concept of a retro into our business like really looking at what we could have done better so i want to do a i want to do a 2021 retro um, I'll, I'll keep i'll keep floating around so tony yeah if we just if let's look in your area then of the sort of the platform the technology and everything yeah. what what could have gone better this year would you say
1: I think we've delivered a huge amount. And I think that if I look back, we actually did a retro session earlier about our latest release. I think the time- Tony,
0: what is the latest release for those that that don't know?
1: Yeah, so um, a couple of months ago, we had a big neuroscience upgrade into our platform. So that was really about linking our neuroscience methodology and model and bringing that into our platform. we did that a couple of months ago that has been a complete game changer um not just for us but there's nothing else in the market that offers that our latest release was just the next iteration of that so we launched and then how do we make something that's good into something great and we launched that a couple of weeks ago so we we naturally did our retro behind it i think one of the key things that has been a challenge for us is being able to deliver at the pace that we are growing and i don't like the phrase kind of maintaining our culture because that kind of implies that it can't get any better but how do we keep enhancing our culture as we grow knowing that there's always pressures of deadlines as well And i think that's been the hardest part for us this year certainly within our tech community and that's something that we will always keep improving on and always keep trying to strive for so i think probably that's been our, our kind of hardest thing that we've done this year but also probably the thing that we could do the most um, and improve upon next year is making sure that as we are developing me as a leader in that area matt stannard as our cta we're really providing that enablement for our team and giving them every best possible chance to succeed
0: do you think if matt stannard was on he would say um going to watch ipswich away at barrowtown and watching them lose 2-0 as something that could have gone better
1: uh yeah i would have said so so for those of you um who don't know matt our matt is a massive Ipswich town fan uh and he drove a 10-hour journey oh nice. on A 600 mile round trip uh this wednesday to go and see Ipswich play in an fa cup replay against a team far lower than them uh in the football hierarchy and uh, they lost two 0 that was a very long drive home for him which i can i do feel for him massively because i know how much that means for him and uh yeah a, a real big challenge and you know, definitely something that could have gone better
0: that is pure love isn't it pure love <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. so chris what um let's just have a think about our customers for a second from from your perspective what what could have gone better do you think this year
2: well it's a tough question but i had a bit more time to think about it while i listened to tony um i think Inevitably, I would love to retain every single one of our customers, um, but that's not always the case. Even though this year we've had a really strong year, like 95% of our customers will stay, will stay with us, which is amazing. And obviously any customers listening, thank you for your loyalty. Um, what what could we have done better? I think, I mean, there's been, a, you know, the great resignation um, we talk about a lot, COVID, you know, sometimes it's quite hard in a customer team that you can, add so much value to a customer you could be on a great journey and then suddenly overnight the main person might leave there Mm. Um, and actually we've had some instances where the whole team has left either from you know leaving for a new venture or you know because of COVID a company's cost cutting so what could we've done better I mean it's a hard one in some respects I think you you know even trying to build more customers into our community I I know customers really value learning from each other and hearing other similar stories so maybe that's
0: one yeah Um, Tony can you ask me the same question please
1: (laughs) so Matt uh, in your role what do you think could have gone better in 2021
0: great question Tony Um, I think I'll just put the the multiple hats on I'll just start with um, the global team for a second which is I think we underestimated how long um, some of the translation pieces would take. So for those that don't know the business, the two of the big uh, growth areas this year have been France um, and Latin America. And it's one thing getting the translations done. It's another thing making sure we understand what our very complex models sound like globally so it's one thing understanding neuroscience in, in your in your native language it's another thing explaining that in a different language to a different market that have different levels of understanding yeah um so i think we underestimated how long that would take and massive credit to pam um in south america and khadija in france for, for like sticking with that but now as we move into new markets um i think the i would say we should launch three months later than that all of the plans because there's some groundwork stuff that i think that next time i would do more are you going to say something on that chris
2: yeah i was just thinking actually um around the other hat i wear as you guys know the culture hat
0: yes um
2: yeah. around our quackers, and just thinking about and actually did, did, matt does did people know what what when i say quackers, what they no, mean? I think i
0: think you should
2: explain <laughs> yeah. so um Quite, you know, so if you think of Google, there's Googlers, lots of different names for uh, your employees of a company. I think it was last year, was it last year or the year before? Maybe two, yes, years, no. two years ago. We
0: were, we were on the way back from our first Brighton. Yeah, uh, uh, when, two years
2: ago. We were just wanted to have more of an identity around who we were. Um, if you if you listen to this and Google a quokka, um, you'll see this really happy animal that um, lives in Australia. I think. Yeah, that's simple as that. It was just the happiest. It's unofficially <laughs> the happiest animal in the world, and everyone just voted. For that's what we should be called. So we affectionately call our employees um quackers. So just to clear that up. But yeah, the one thing, <laughs> one thing we've learned uh, or could have gone better for our culture. I think you know we've all done this before, as and we've all been leaders in different roles in the past and different businesses. But I think in this new world, which is remote communication. I think you cannot communicate enough. Like back in the day, like, you know, back in pre-COVID days, sometimes you just grab people into a meeting room or you just have a little huddle or you have a little town hall. It's very hard, it's a lot harder to do that now. Um, Even though that we've kind of been, you know, hybrid, we've been in the office, out of the office, but right here today, obviously the advice in the UK is work from home. So I think the one lesson for us is you cannot communicate enough when you have a distributed workforce.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's one of the major challenges that we've found within the tech community as well. We have people who live in on the South Coast, in East Anglia, Liverpool, kind of all over the UK. So we don't have that kind of central place that everybody comes to day in, day out. And obviously with the challenges of COVID as well. Communication is a, a major, major challenge, not just for us, but all businesses. And I think mm. it's one of the things that we see come out from our cultural assessment results is a constant theme about how do you just keep engaging and communicating with the team in a world that's rapidly changing um, and the future of work, what would that look like moving forward? I think this is gonna be a massive, massive challenge for all businesses.
0: Yeah, and and so we'll flip it around. To, to, we'll stick with you then, what's, um What's gone well this year?
1: Without doubt, the neuroscience upgrade Mm. has been absolutely massive for us as as an overall business, and I think the main reason for that is we've talked a lot about neuroscience and our methodology. And up to probably uh, we released in June the neuroscience upgrade, and up to that point, there was an element of a disconnect between what we say and then being able to visualize that into the platform. Whereas with with the neuroscience upgrade, it's seamless now um you we call ourselves a happiness and engagement platform the way in which the platform now works you see a happiness score you see an engagement score they're the first things you see when you come in you then see your scores related to the neuroscience themes as well so that has been huge for us this year not only in terms of a technical challenge of delivering that but I think it's given a huge amount of confidence into our customer teams our growth teams we get amazing feedback from customers and prospects um which is unbelievable and and kind of very humbling when you hear that coming through because all of the hard work that everybody's put into it it's really really nice to hear that coming through and again i think one of the major points has been developing the team i talked about it being kind of as we grow it's something that is a we could absolutely have done that better but i am actually very very proud of how we have grown that team Within the tech community, if I think about that from kind of a day-to-day perspective, we've more than doubled that team. If we go back out into kind of the other hats we wear as co-founders, we've been we've gone from something like 15 to about 36 Quackers now since April. So it's not even over the full year,
2: and that's just UK as well, Tony. So. Yeah, yeah that's
1: just UK, and then when we bring in the like Pam, for example. As you've mentioned we've got yeah. Khadija, we have partners that we work elsewhere that are all all part of our ecosystem we're up to around 45 people yeah. who, we, who are what i would consider quackers and part of our organization and say that is something that i think has been incredibly successful for us this year
0: yeah i think that's why that's that's definitely one of my challenges for next year because all those teams are, are massively expanding and although we don't employ everyone directly you're getting to uh, we're easily to a hundred quackers when you add like the people that Raj and Lamreta have recruited in India. We're working um, with external marketing providers and stuff like that. So I, uh, yeah, we won't get into next year just yet, um, Chris. I just want to give you. Um, I went to one of your customers uh, first, a new one of your new customers, a first review where they. I was trying to segue in from Tony where they got their cultural assessment data. Rosanna was presenting it back to them, so it was the first time they had all their employee engagement data presented to them in a neuroscience way. And the only way I can describe it to our listeners, for a company that has their first cultural assessment, it would be like, imagine if you're a listener, imagine I I tracked down everyone that you ever met in your life, and I asked them to anonymously tell me how they feel about you. Then I sat you in a room for two hours and then I read it all out and showed you a load of dashboards. There was there was stunned silence at points um there was shock um there was there was people were proud of what they had and so on uh, and ultimately at the end a really engaged team that wanted to improve their their culture um but like what's gone well I mean you're working on the like because we often think about stuff from a technical perspective but you're in with a human element of what this data actually means like what What's gone well from from that perspective? you do you resonate with that story? you must see that all the time with customers
2: yeah, massively. i think I think that um as soon as we win a customer i think I think it's so different to where we were a few years ago, which is customers or cu- our companies now understand that anything to do with culture is a journey. It's not just a one you know the worst thing you could possibly do is ask how your people feel and then do nothing about it. But I always have a lot of admiration for some of these big companies. I mean, you know, you guys know we work with small to medium to large, but I always have admiration for any people, leaders, or CEOs that start working with us because that in itself is a commitment straight away to making that culture better and to giving people a voice. So I think what I see a lot of is usually we'll work, you know, ahead, the first culture assessment goes out. They get some great information back, some great insight, and then we usually join them in either reporting to the management team or the board or the CEO. And that first session, we always see, you know, our our um, contact, so to speak, like the HRD or the HR manager or the chief people officer, chief people officer. They're always quite nervous because it's exactly what you said. Some of the insight is not necessarily what they want to hear. You know, it's not going to be great, but the whole point in engaging with us is trying to understand how your people feel, and then improving things in a specific way. So just like you were talking earlier about how you get a kick from the new deals or existing deals, I actually only had a conversation a few weeks ago with the customer success team, and they were saying they get kicks from those board meetings, from those board presentations, because when you know, we're not in there with opinions, are we? We're not saying, Well, we think we should do this, you should do that. It's data driven, you know, yeah. it's, their, it's their own employee insight. So, I I love doing those meetings, and I always find that after the first session together, we kind of form a bit, a bit of a bond. And, yeah. um, that you know, fingers crossed, that's why we have great customer loyalty. But long may it continue, yeah.
1: And that's that's I getting, love, sorry, go on, Tony. Yeah, I was just going to say, uh, Chris, when I go into those meetings, there's a particular phrase that i think of and it's the perception versus reality yeah so what is the perception of the people in that room I.e., what do they think of the organization and the uh the leadership the scores etc versus what's the reality and often you get this point where the perception versus the reality is quite different Yeah. and it's that light bulb moment it's that almost moment of realization that actually either confirming what we're doing is the right thing to do, and it gives them confidence to be bolder and braver in their decision-making.
2: And do you know what? That's actually what happened recently. But actually, there was not many surprises, but that was brilliant for them because they had a gut feel. They felt that they had an area, an issue in their business, maybe around trust, acknowledgement, as, as the company was growing. Yeah. So then the fact that they could actually do the culture assessment with us It was vindication for them, and now it's like right. We now know the data is also backing up our gut, our gut feel. Let's go, go ahead. So we get customers who are really, really surprised, and some customers who are like, "Okay, actually, that's good. That's what I thought." Yeah, and that's
1: the great thing—you get that confirmation, as you've just mentioned there, or you get the contradiction, yeah, which is the bit where it's oh that's not what I felt or I thought our culture was like, and actually, it's in those moments that you really see the test in the leadership of an organization
0: yeah and And how do
1: they then adapt the organization how do they they often have to go through a little bit of um kind of soul searching themselves as a leadership team on how they are leading a business but the the turnarounds that we hear not just in overall organizational uh performance but also the individual stories that we get fed back to us that's That's something that's incredibly empowering
0: that's why I love that, that quote that I shared from Soconomics on, on Discord yeah. today, which is um, d- data is the plural of anecdote. And the reason I love that is because that is testing that. Does the company, are, are they just, is this confirmation bias or is this new data or, or whatever it is? Because as a leader, you will have a few stories around what's going on um, and those anecdotes can be powerful. But until you've tested the data, you don't really know. Um, and and that's where I think those meetings are so powerful. And yeah. um, the one that I'll share in this area on what's gone well this year is, is might sound like an odd one, but I was we were talking about this yesterday, weren't we? Which is I don't now I don't know if that's because if this is because one I need the data on it, I suppose one because we have an open culture, or two because we have a very multi generational uh, diverse team. Yeah. or what it's been a horrific year just generally but I've never, I mean we've been running businesses for 15 years now, I've never known our, our an employee group to be impacted by so many personal yeah. problems from grandmas, granddads, parents, cousins, there's been a lot going on with our quackers in their lives including, including our, our three families and, yeah. and everything like that and how open everyone's been and how how much that's been shared. So for me, what's gone well is that we just, I keep thinking we're open, but the amount people share now about what's going on in their lives, I just see as a massive positive. And I hope that never goes away because people don't mind sharing when they're having a rough day or they're having a bad time or whatever. And that's what I put as the positive. So I'm going to move us forward because we need to get to, we've got another session at 12 (laughs) o'clock. So I'm just going to, I'm not going to ask you for your New Year's resolutions because we're not at that point yet. But I'm going to ask you like what you think is the most important thing at the Happiness Index uh, to happen next year in in your area or or as co-founder. So I'll go order Tony, Chris, me on that one.
1: It's funny, mate, isn't it? How you're always going last to get more thinking time.
2: <laughs>
1: I'll, but, go I'll go first. No, nah, so I think next year, again, challenge will be around enhancing our culture as we grow. <clears throat> it's something that we experienced this year. We'll continue to keep experiencing that. Um, but I feel really confident in the way that we can um, just keep improving the culture as we grow. Things as you mentioned just there, people being really open. We're all massive believers that there aren't two parts of us. There isn't a Matt or Chris that goes to work and then a Matt and Chris that comes home from work. We know that what impacts people in work impacts them externally and vice versa. So I think as we continue to grow, how do we keep maintaining or not maintaining, but enhancing that sentiment of being able to be open being able to share being supportive. And these are these are ground pains as we tend to talk a lot about uh, in our kind of um, Tuesday meetings that we have together. But ultimately, it will be how do we keep developing an incredible culture with incredible people? And how do we keep making sure that everybody that we continue to bring in and as we grow our new quackers. How do we make sure that they keep adding something new to our culture? And I think that's going to be a big challenge for us moving forward.
0: Chris, thank you, Tony. So, yeah,
2: I guess with my uh, culture hat on first, it's um, the, the P word, which I used to hate back <laughs> in the day, called process <laughs> or maybe framework. But, you know, I think the biggest realization for me uh, across everything, but particularly cultural, is when your workforce is just all around the country and around the world if you're not following some form of process it's just chaotic um and i think mish um not to mish on that one she she knows what i'm talking about so i think we have a great culture but what we're what we doing with scaling so i think that my kind of f- favorite word these days it t- tends to be framework which is just giving everyone as consistent employee experience as humanly possible so that's the people side Uh, from a customer side you know by the end of this financial year for us which is March we're going to be 100 customers which is absolutely amazing and something we're really proud of Um, and what I want to do is I want to build a more of a community within those customers yeah Um, you know the ideal world is that we do a lot more face-to-face interactions as in real life I still think there's just for me personally and there's nothing better than uh, forming a real bond with just a person face-to-face, but not just face-to-face. Um, you know, and I, you know, A lot of the world now is online. So for me, it's just more around how can I add more value to our customers, not for, through us, but through the customer community so they can learn from each other, basically.
1: It was an interesting point you mentioned there, Chris, about process, because often the perception of process is it's red tape and it's something that gets in the way. The reality is that process gives people safety it allows you to understand what support is available to you and it's so important to invest in those processes those frameworks because that's the bit that underpins everything that happens within an organization if you get that psychological safety right everything else can be built upon that it's an amazing foundation to have
2: exactly that we've learned it's the foundation of our house and if it's not there it can be a little bit like quicksand. So we're trying to keep that nice solid foundation.
0: I think was it Gemma, Gemma Shambler, um, would always say clarity is kindness was always, always her point, wasn't it? We miss you Gemma, by the way, we can't wait till you come back. <laughs> um, for me, I'm obviously in, in my head, I've got the uh, the lightning investment round coming up in January. But um, what that makes me think about is the importance that we always say that there shouldn't be an indif- a difference between what we say internally and what we say externally. So, for those that have ever seen our investment rounds, I don't create um, any what's called an IM, an investment memorandum. I just take our internal plan and present it to people external and say, "If you believe in this journey, get involved." But outside of like what's in my head, what I'm thinking, oh, geez, I've got to do all that in January. I'm I'm just going to pick the F word out, which is fun. Um, We wanna we we call like we say we wanna be a zebra, not a unicorn, don't we? Um, And we're getting good valuations and stuff, uh, how people perceive the business and stuff. But we, I just want to make sure we're having fun. One of the biggest things we started talking about this year was permission to leave. Like we Most people talk about retaining their staff. We talk a lot about making sure every single person who works for us always has the permission to leave and they don't stay just because they feel like they should. And that the same as founders. Like for me, I I look at every week, and if I've had fun and I'm happy, I'm sticking around. Um, and I never commit... To stand it that next to Chris and Tony more than a week out, um, but I'm loving it. Um, I always love it, but I just want to make sure we continue that fun element, which I think can be underestimated sometimes in business. So yeah. I just want to finish off um, by finding out the most important question, which is what is your favourite Christmas
1: movie? Uh, really simple one for me: Home Alone.
0: Good choice. Yeah
2: yeah that's one i thought of as well but i will go for miracle on 34th street is it 34th
0: street <laughs>
2: it's a 30 something street but it's a christmas yeah. cracker
0: oh, <laughs> christmas yeah. um i mean elf is up there isn't it yeah um, definite. and so is muppets christmas carol but they're joint to to die hard too and i know most people think die hard but i like die hard too because i like how much he moans about how it's the second christmas has been ruined yeah so um yeah just wanted to note to all our listeners um and anyone that's watching this on youtube because i'm sure it'll go on there just thank you so much for taking the time please drop us a message if you want clarity on anything we said and we can't wait to um for 2022 and um as we say on our company updates it's time to quack off yeah yeah
1: cheers Matt. cheers, Chris. cheers
0: guys. catch you later cheers.